to a very special edition of the JD Bunkers podcast, which I planned two in-studio guests today. Mm. Two. Yeah. I'm in studio. Yeah, that's nice. The, the highest caliber, in my opinion, is when you're there with the person. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to see my friend Colby Armstrong for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Made sure that he could come down and visit the studio and have lunch. See my good friend Ben Ennis. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, today. Just was not having it. Today was not my day. City, City gave you the Heisman today yeah it really did it really did it is incredible that so the the trains are down i take the trains in i got stuck for about 20 minutes had to hoof it back the other way yeah it just the, it, one line goes down and the city is over it's well like, i mean here's the thing down. there's only two lines so yeah 50 yeah. percent of the lines yeah. go down yeah no what a city what a great city yeah that's it burlington know. doesn't have a subway so i guess oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. we got that on you we got that on you <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I love this city. I love the citizens of the city. I love the feeling of this city. There's, I grew up. Oh, do you? In the suburbs of this city, oh, but yeah. a lot of time in this city, and certainly the mm-hmm. sports teams in this city. Love that. Yeah. I I don't know how people live here sometimes. Like I I really it's it's tough. It's 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 got to be tough. Dude, it's just so funny because they they go, "Don't worry, we've got we've got these shuttle buses that will get you to work an hour late." <laughs> hey, don't worry everyone. We've we've got these buses that are basically going to be parked on Bloor. Yeah. Back to back as you watch people walk by you for oh, hours. Oh, did you even on it. did you check the Uber like surge rates? Like what? No, it, it, it didn't matter. A million dollars. First of all, I should have known I should have known better. And I was actually coming into work early today. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy it is. That's how impossible it is to to get this thing done. I wanted to come in early, set up some stuff. Uh I saw I took a peek. I saw the street mm-hmm. and it was just bumper to bumper traffic uh before 8 a.m. And I went, Oh yeah, I know what's happening here. Right. And I ch- I checked Twitter, but I went, you know, I'll just see. I'll just see if this no, of course not. It's nothing, nothing was gonna break my way. It was just uh, it was destined for this. Anyways, thank you. Thank you for staying in studio like a good soldier for your fourth hour. Yeah. And thanks to Colby That's who will fine. do it over the phone later. I mean, I, I had my coffee a little closer to eight o'clock today. So I feel I feel properly oh. caffeinated. And yeah, I don't That's know what good. the other option was. Like, imagine I was just like, no, I was told this was going to be in yeah. studio. I'm out of no. here. Forget it. Not no, only are still, you at home. Still, you're still a nice guy for doing it. That's you're still nice. a nice no, guy for No, I should just accept you being nice to me. I should. Yeah, you could have. Man, you know how this industry is. And mm. the thing is, is you you know it too well to do this. But yes. lesser men would have said, oh, I'll just call in from my car oh, on the right. way home. Yeah, and that's true. Could have done it that. wouldn't have been a very good product. A guy scrambling from his home office <laughs> and a guy on the phone going, yeah, no, I'm totally paying attention to you. Or is it, what do you want to talk about, Justin Turner? Yeah, I yeah. got it. Anyway, so uh, John Rossi a couple of minutes ago saying mm. that the Blue Jays are closing in on a deal with uh, Justin Turner, the third baseman. Slash DH Carlos Bayarga had it yeah, last night. Yeah, I yeah. love when it's the Carlos Bayarga Instagram post because it's just it, you have to find the translation button every single time, but you yeah. know what it is because yeah. there's always a graphic flames. with the player. Yeah, there's, flames there's generally. Oh, and a Canadian flag. They they throw yep. that in there. Do, Blue usually. Jays logo, Canadian flag, <laughs> fire, and find the translation button. Yeah, and he said last night that. And I saw it just before I was going to bed mm-hmm. that the Jays were expected to sign Justin Turner. 
And although the translation said there were rumors that they had signed, sure, just, so was, I don't yeah, that I, that yeah. it was already done. Yeah, yeah, that it was already done and that it was over. Uh, Justin Turner famously name dropped last week mm-hmm. on the Blair and Barker podcast with Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. He said, "There's two names, and though they would help us both on the field and in the clubhouse or mm-hmm. off the field as well." Justin Turner coming here. He's 38 years old. He came off of a pretty good season last year. But yeah, what what's he's, your he just, just general he's, feeling? He's thirty nine, by the way. He just turned thirty nine in yeah. November. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, here's um, I would have ranked him near the bottom of my preferable candidates, to be honest. Same, right? Like, and he obviously knows the division, and he's he can play in the. He's not like a JD Martinez. You're like, oh, keep that guy away from all things defensive side of the the ball. Like Justin mm-hmm. Turner played like a couple times in the infield last year, and okay, so like if. If you need to to use your DH spot for a Vlad or a George Springer day or two, you can you can get by with Justin Turner out there. But yeah, one, he's 39. Two, he's not as good as the other still available candidates. And yeah. three, he's right-handed, right? So it's fine. They needed to add somebody. At least the, the Blue Jays fans aren't continually refreshing Twitter and getting no results on Ross Atkins' potential ad of a DH bat. I, I wonder because... I. I think he's the lesser of all the candidates. Jorge Soler mm-hmm. age would have been, yeah. and yeah. Also a guy that's capable. You don't love him in a corner outfield spot, but he, he played what 30 games there a season ago. He's, he's going to not help you defensively, but he he can play there for a spell or two. And he's young. He's going to require the, the most uh, contractual commitment. You would think JD Martinez, I think ha- is the best, like for one season, I think you, you're doing the best with JD Martinez, but he has the back yeah, issues too. Keeps, keeps being hitting all-stars in his thirties, which is yeah. pretty impressive. And, but he's 35, which is, listen, is a guy who is also 39 for a couple more weeks. Um, like, yeah, 39 is not 35. I, I get that. So, <laughs> okay, um, and, and, and John nice. Peterson, thank you for explaining that because people who aren't experienced yeah. <laughs> in both being 35 and 39, yeah. they can't really speak to that. No, they, they don't know. They, they think 35 no is idea. 39. It's like, Actually, I, I played the game. I played the game. I played the game. You did. I played the 35 year old game. And now I'm playing the 39 year old game. And then Jock Peterson's a pure platoon guy. Like you have to actively remove him from a baseball game. If there's a matchup that is a left-handed pitcher, because he cannot physically hit lefties. Justin Turner's probably going to be the cheapest. So I do wonder, here's a scenario where I don't hate, hate it. And I don't hate it. Like, they needed to add somebody. And Justin Turner can be fine. He had an 800 OPS with the Red Sox last year, playing half his games at the band box that is Fenway Park. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's he's been an MVP candidate before. He's been an all-star. He's been a good, productive player throughout the course of his career. And as Bo Bichette also alluded to on that podcast, he brings other things than the the, the stuff on the field, of course. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's going to require the the smallest financial commitment, I would think, of the available guys, does it open up the possibility of also like a, hey, Joey Votto, like is is Joey Votto, like are you, are the Angels guaranteeing you an everyday spot at DH? Like if you're doing a Justin Turner, Joey Votto thing where you mix and match and both guys are getting in. We're going to get both the oldest guys. We're going to get both the 40-year-old guys. Yeah, I I actually like that better. Like two bullets in the chamber. Like can, can, you know, you, you, I, I, I don't hate that as yeah. much as like, yeah, Justin Turner being the guy you targeted over J.D. Martinez. I, I don't like that yeah. idea. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, just to dispel, just to end, can we just please close the book on the Joey Votto thing? No, now, not, which until, is this. not until he signs. No. 
no, no, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying I know you very well. And you have been saying Joey Votto to the Jays since legitimately 2015. Oh yeah. This is, this is, well, but we uh, know, we know Alex Anthopoulos had conversations about yes. Joey Votto. Okay. But I know you. And if Joey Votto was to come here and perform even semi adequately, you would be getting to basically brand it as your own thing. Of like course. you've been doing this. Like, yeah, yeah. like so every, every a, time Vlad hits into a double play, that's like, yeah, that's my yeah. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you and I was the first one to point this out. Okay. So here's, here's the positive side of the Justin Turner thing. Okay. So if you're waking up to this or you listen to this pod, you're trying to get some Justin Turner info. Here's, here's the positive side of the Justin Turner stuff last year where he would have ranked statistically on the blue Jays. When it comes to his offensive oh, production, yeah. <laughs> his batting average sure. of 276 mm-hmm. would have ranked second on the team. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. His on-base percentage, which is, I think, everybody with the brains, uh, darling, but especially yours, a big on-base percentage guy, a guy who loves to walk, 345. That would have been tied for first on the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. His slugging percentage, 455. That would have been second on the Blue Jays last year, and his OPS was 800. God, that number looks good, especially considering it was the Toronto Blue Jays last year. That would have been second. Runs, he had 86 of them, which would have put him at second. RBIs, 96, which would have put him at first, which is pretty crucial for a team that struggled to drive in runs, you may have noticed last year. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a, a bugaboo for the squad was actually getting guys to cross home plate, and he had 23 home runs, which would have been second on the team in home runs. So, that is very nice. To me, though, those numbers, what that says more is how bad the Correct. Jays' offense was right. and how badly they needed to inject a better offensive piece than a 39-year-old DH who's going to play a couple of games at third base. The other part of this that confuses me a little is that the Blue Jays, when they signed Kevin Pillar, they said, we're doubling down on defense. We're, we're doubling down on this. We're, we're going with a defensive team. Okay, so that means... Kevin Kiermaier, you mean... Sorry, what did I say? Kevin Pillar. Oh, right, right. Sorry, yeah, that's my bad. That's uh, that's my bad. That's uh, that's hey, blame that on me working from home and not in the comforts <laughs> of the office, and not the fact that I do that all the time still to this day. So please don't, please don't blame me for my failings. What now? You're gonna play Justin Turner at third base? You're gonna go from Matt Chapman to playing Justin? And I know, like you said, he's Isaiah gonna, Kiner he's gonna Falefa, play. How dare you, yes, Isaiah no. Kiner Falefa for 130 games at third base? But that's but that's it. Is now all of a sudden it just it reminds me a little bit of the of the Dalton Varsho thing from this standpoint of Dalton Varsho in center field for your baseball team makes more sense when you put him in left field and he's hitting the way that he did last year. I don't really care that he's the leader in defensive runs saved in left field. I would just rather have some pop there. And the same thing goes now for third base. You say, all right, well, if your DH is Justin Turner and there's Soler out there and there's JD Martinez out there, well, I would prefer that option. If you're going to have Isaiah Connor Falefa at third base for 130 games anyway, mm. right? Like what, what am I missing here? It just, it, it doesn't feel as though, there's things to like about Justin Turner. I do like the bat. I do believe in the whole, this guy's been in big games and this guy's had a ton of big moments and he's mm-hmm. played for big franchises and he'll bring an, an aura about him. Mm-hmm. He will. Mm-hmm. He will bring a level of veteran accountability, presence. respect. Be handing out but, his ve- but, veteran presence. 
but I do think that's overstated with some guys, and I don't think it's overstated with Justin Turner. This guy is beloved by many, many teammates. Yep. He's he's absolutely someone with pedigree. Oh, except for the the laundry guy, whoever does the laundry, it's gonna have the like the 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 patch on the back of of his jersey, right, where he always slaps the bat and he's he gets the yes. pine tar all over the back of his jersey. That's a rough one. Yeah, but uh, this just it's it's sort of like the Maple Leafs blue line where you go individually, there's some good talent here, but the puzzle pieces, when you put them all together, they, they just don't make as much sense. And, and I wonder why they went this direction, say, over getting a Solaire or a Martinez, because I would think that the signing of Kevin, not Pilar, Kiermaier, <laughs> would indicate that they are pretty definitively out on Solaire or J.D. Martinez as well. Like, they're, I don't think they're adding both. No, well, I mean, those guys are again, like they can play the outfield and Solaire more than Martinez, but you don't want him. Like he played what 30 some odd games Solaire did last year in a corner outfield spot poorly. Like you don't want him out. Like you can't be handing him a, an, an, an everyday outfield spot or even the majority of his time as an outfielder. So yeah, no, this, the, I those nobody was supposed to be doing an everyday DH. They're thing. not, you know, that, they're not. I mean, but it speaks to the, uh, the, the field of available free agent bats, right? It's bad. But that's, I mean, to me, this is not the ideal scenario. And the Blue Jays knew it's not the ideal scenario. And they were forced into the not ideal scenario because the guys they're going after, save for, like, take Solaire out of it because he is 31. And I think the possibility exists, despite the fact that he has his warts, that he's going to get a multi-year, like, pretty uh, good financial commitment from somebody out there, right? He's different. I do separate him from J.D. Martinez, who, again, is 35 years old, had a great season, but... And no, certainly Solaire Jock was the Peterson. number one target. Yep. Solaire was the number one guy that you could pin hopes on of actually having... being a dynamic bat in the offense that was going to actually change your, your, the potential outcome here for this team. But Especially what, given that he's also someone that's performed admirably in the playoffs. Yeah, but I, I think... And I think Jock Peterson is probably the prime example of this. This is also a 31-year-old guy who, you know... He had a good season, but he's always trying to like re re rebuild his value and and have the season that has, somebody believes he can be an everyday player again. And it's a two year deal, but the second year is is an op, like one of those mutual option things with the Diamondbacks. So it's a one year deal or twelve and a half million bucks. But th that's the type of guy that's available. Guys on shorter term deals that are looking to break the bank in free agency again and are looking to have the, the spectacular individual season. And I do wonder when you're talking about like, it's not guys. I mean, I guess you can always outbid everybody for somebody. Like if you really wanted to hand Jock, uh, Jock Peterson 20 million bucks, he would have been a Toronto Blue Jay. But those are not the type of guys that you're doing that for. So when it's not a financial thing and it comes down to, things outside of of dollars and cents you're looking at, and I don't think it's the Canada thing, but you're looking at a ballpark that played as a bottom five ballpark in all of Major League Baseball last year as far as offensive production. And it's just a one-off, and you know people who deep, dig deeper into the ballpark factor say you need at least a three-year runway, but it was pretty shocking to see after these renovations that were supposed to be incredible to, to the offensive environment that they were so negative and... I mean, single-handedly changed the perception of how we view Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s season last year. You know he's an 858 OPS on the road and 716 at home. Like, what was it, like August when he hit his first home run there? If you're one of these guys that, that has your pick of the litter and it's the money's going to be pretty similar other places, and I know the Blue Jays made the playoffs and won 89 games, and, you know, half yeah. of the games are outside of Rogers, but half of them are there. 
I, I, mm-hmm. I do wonder if, if what happened offensively at Rogers center played a factor here, brother, I think it's an excellent point. I, I will say this. I don't think that the Canada stuff is a complete non-factor. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Like it's, it just is. Yep. I, I don't, I don't know why that offends people. It's a different country. And for some guys for sure. they go, I'd rather be in the States. Just it's, it's plain and obvious. Same reason. Sh- listen, Shohei wanted to be in California. Geography matters. It's just, it's kind of, I think your point is very well stated. If you are trying to buy a lottery ticket and you're going, well, I only have one season to try to prove this like Jock Peterson. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be somewhere that has a better offensive profile? Of course, that's your, that's your chance to get paid more. To me, it's just a little funny because what did we say about free agents for forever with the pitchers? It was, well, no one wants to play here. It's a band box. You got to play in yeah. the AL East and it's you're going to get tattooed. They don't need and, pitching. Like pitchers, I'm sure would have fallen I, over themselves to yes. sign up with the Jays this year. Yes, that's it. That's, that's why I always wondered whether or not there was some way to be creative in terms of flipping a pitcher and trying to sign a pitcher because the names still out there in the starting pitching market are phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery is still unsigned. Blake mm-hmm. Snell is still unsigned. There, there's lots of arms. There's, there's tons of arms. Either way, I, I don't think it was going to happen for the Jays. And every smart and reasonable person has told me I'm a dumbo for even trying to go down that thought experiment. So I'll just accept it as that's the case. But yeah, if you're the the, the factors that you point out there, they're they're good ones. Thank it's you. just it's tough when you look at this off season, right? And we, that we've we've said over and over again was supposed to be a splash, splash, splash Oof. that had these hopes of. Legitimately, it was a splash, the splash, and then like you find yourself at the bottom of the pool, you're drowning. Yeah, yeah, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it was you with cement shoes. <laughs> Just going, looking up at the surface. Wait, I can do better. And it, it's just, it, it, it can it's, work it's out. It's hard not to look at this. Of course, it can work out, and that's that's the thing is when you look at the baseball team, mm-hmm. they're they're obviously going to be good again. I do wonder if they're going to end up the fourth best team in their own division. Like I don't. I don't think that you can put them down in pen as better than any of the three teams that could be ahead of them. I mean, right? Al- With, Alec like, Manoa is a, is a pretty big hinge point, but yeah. yeah. No question. My, my point here is just simply if you're doing, if you asked people, 10 different people to put together a list of who the top four teams in the American League East are this year, you would, you would likely get a variety of different answers. I don't think that you would see very many lists with the Blue Jays at the top. Mm, yeah, it's tough. I mean, despite the fact that they made the playoffs last year and the Yankees didn't, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough. It's tough. They are all, they all they saying, already told us they're banking on internal improvements and every action it. that they took uh, in free agency. I mean, leads credence to that. Yeah, they're they're just Which banking on on the guys specifically Vladimir Guerrero Jr. having a bounce back year. Which which does have some merit to it. Yeah. And there is some reason to believe that that is going to work out for them. Again, the team was terrific defensively last year, still did make the playoffs despite all of these bad things offensively. And you thought, okay, well, maybe you just need some tweaks. You don't end up needing an overhaul, even though the optics of an overhaul would have clearly satiated the fan base, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The thing is, the thing is to me is you can't separate the, the optics and the expectations of the fan base in, in two ways. One is where Blue Jays fans expected to be in 2024 as a team that maybe already had a World Series ring, that had one of these guys emerge as a super-duper star that was likely to be extended or already was extended with the club, feeling like, wow, this is the most optimistic era of Blue Jays baseball since 2015, feeling as though, okay, you were going to go into this offseason, and if you didn't accomplish that already, really do something that was going to change 
perception really was going to try to plunk a butt down in the seat. And I, I just, I'm sorry, but I, I can't pretend like a single person on planet earth is going to say, I would really like to go down to the ballpark next year to watch Isaiah Connor Falefa and Justin Turner as the new additions to this team outside of maybe their direct family members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even Isaiah Connor for is like, yeah, well, I mean, we saw it at Yankee Stadium, like, yeah. Or Justin Turner's family's like, yeah, you're 39. We've seen you play. Grow up. You're, you're playing a kids game. <laughs> you want a World Series. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Grow up. Time to get a real job. Yeah, you're almost a man. You're almost 40. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's, uh, that's true. And again, it could all work out. In a, in a way, though, there is some some nice poetic justice here because this is a hinge point in, in the careers and the tenure of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette with two more years of team control. And if things go the way they've gone through the first five years, four years of their tenure, those guys will be traded in the offseason. I think, again, going back to the great interview that Bo Bichette did on Blair and Barker, you know, they asked him about the extension thing, and he's like, he, he didn't say this explicitly, but what I took from it was, hey, we're not going to talk extensions until we know that this is something here. Like, both both parties, right? Like, they don't... The Blue Jays don't want to sign up for another 10, 15 years of me if they know, like, the team with me is the best player can't even win a playoff game. So, in in a way, it's poetic that, okay, you guys want to, you want your giant extensions? You want to be Hall of Famers? You, you want to be um, not just perceived as one of the best hitters in baseball? You want to be one of the best hitters in baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? You better. Like, this is your year. Because if it doesn't happen... You you guys are gone. Like that's that and we're starting the rebuild process, which is crazy, you know, a year after the the incredible renovations to, to Rogers Center. But I could see a world where, yeah, you're not totally starting at square one, but you're absolutely recouping younger assets for those guys that you're not gonna re-sign. It's a massive, massive season for those guys individually and and this franchise as a whole. Dude, what do you mean you could see it? I think that this is this is in part what has happened here. Jays looked at the market and they said, if we can get a Shohei, yeah. that that changes the math on all of this, right? Mm -hmm. This changes the math on extensions, on who we're going after. Go go on the down timeline. the line. Yeah, we're we're now the the Shohei team, mm -hmm. right? Even had they figured out a way to get Juan Soto, my guess is that they are saying, All right, uh, we're we're trying to re-sign this guy. We're doing everything possible to make sure this guy comes back that we will be as competitive as anybody when he hits free agency, which he will, and that we'll match any offer or whatever, hope that we can instill in him that this is the place that he wants to be, get the year ahead of it, blah, 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 all those things go on down. Look at this team. It's a ton of guys now. Danny Jansen, is this is his final year, yep. right? You just already said two years left of Vladdy and Bo. You've now got Justin Turner on the one-year deal. Is Connor Fluff is two? Uh, yes, he's at yeah, least okay. two. Well, sure. Not three. Yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer is one. You've got George Springer entering a season now in his mid-30s, right? It just there's there's a lot of how many years left of Kevin Gossman? Two? Three? Uh, Two or three, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Th this team doesn't have a lot of permanence to it. This team feels very much like, hey, we're doubling down on you now. This was the best course of action that we could take given the situation. There weren't a ton of free agents. We didn't have a ton of prospects. We I hate saying this, but it really is what I predicted from the outset, which was, okay, well, what? where are they going to trade from? What kind of move are they going to make? How are they going to be able to accomplish this if it's not through free agency? And who is out there if it's not Cody Bellinger? If it's not Cody, who is it going to be? Mm. And they've just decided, okay, the, the only way that we can make this actually work in a sensible way 
is to add guys that don't stay on the books for a multitude of years. And, mm-hmm. I, and I wonder if that's the difference. You said the stuff about Solaire and you go, hey, maybe the hitter spark. He was yeah. probably going to get a little term. I wonder with a guy like him, if the reason not to go after him aggressively or pay him what he's probably doing free agency, despite the fact that he's better with this core, is that they're not convinced he'll be around this core a yeah. year from now if you're tendering him a three, four-year contract. No, it's a it's an interesting point. Yeah, that you know he it could be if you're signing him to a four year deal, he's like two years. He's looking around. It's the the Fresh Prince of Bel Air yeah. uh, meme where he's like looking around. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're- no one's here. <laughs> I, I sign. It's me and Dalton Barshow, the face of the franchise in two years. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly things pivoted. And you know, one season, you know, one season where where the 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 uh, positive regression happens and the Blue Jays win 95 games and win a World Series and all is forgiven, all is forgotten, extensions for everybody, the window's open for forever. So, right, like the, the, the positive side of it can happen. But yeah, from what we've seen, the sample that we've gotten, it's just, it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to envision that they, they maximized, you know, a, a, one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball, a, a bullpen that totally got revamped, that they went in on, they signed the best available rental reliever, or they, they traded for the best available rental reliever at the deadline too, and, and they played incredible defense, and the, the bar for offensive success was so low, but they couldn't, they, they were somehow able to limbo underneath it in a year in which you got incredible performances. The first 200-inning season of Chris Bassett's career and Kevin Gossman feels like he's, you know, you can lock him into a top 10 American league Cy Young spot, uh, award spot every mm-hmm. year, but who knows you say Kikuchi. So now we were just of the belief that that's who he is going forward. I guess like if you're going to take that, Oh, well, everything went right approach to the, the 2023 blue Jays, you can say, well, not for everybody that Alec Manoa, you can, you can count on him yep. to be a little bit better than he was a season ago, but you have would, to, you have to, you have I to. would say way more things happen positively than happen negatively with the pitching and the defense last year. So even if you are counting on internal improvement for, for the offense, I don't think it's unreasonable to think the blue Jays will be worse pitching in, in 2024 this season. I don't think it's it's not only unreasonable. I think it's probable. Yeah, yeah, I think they so. They were they were incredibly healthy. They got unbelievable performances, and some of which came from yeah dudes like Kikuchi, who I I don't think you could say is it's going to be a reliable outcome moving forward. There's a reason why John Schneider, despite all of Kikuchi's success, <laughs> right. kept being like. The first sign of trouble. I'm out here. Yeah. Hey, I'm here. John's here now. <laughs> Give me that ball. Give me the baseball. Get out. Get out. Get out. Go, go sit down. We got a lot out of you. Uh, by the way, Ken Rosenthal confirms this uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Oh. Sources confirm Justin Turner in agreement with Blue Jays on one-year contract. So, yeah, it's done. He's there. Another positive spin to this, I should say, is that this has sort of been Ross Atkins' bread and butter if you want to say anything yeah right like if you want to give Ross Atkins I get it this I understand the way that most of you listening to this right now most people perceive Ross Atkins and this front office currently right Mm -hmm. but if there's one thing you can point to as the most established track record that he has it's nailing these one-year deals true right it's nailing these one-year yeah, deals. Marcus he did Semien it with Brandon se- Belt. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Belt. He, uh, Marcus Semien set the record for yeah. home runs hit by a second baseman, made him hundreds of millions of dollars. No, they've been good at that. Kevin Kiermeyer last year, they nailed yeah. that. Uh, they went, hey, this is a dude who everyone said should not be playing a ton of games, and then he was brilliant for them. 
we've seen it in the past with the lottery ticket relievers. That was sort of the the one that you and I used to talk about. By the way, that's something that they got to kind of take care of next is mm-hmm. pro- the Jordan Hicks departure sort of went very under the radar to me. A guy who, when he was first brought in, it was under the premise of, well, he could resign. Mm-hmm. They might be competitive for him. And then it he went out with a whisper. of. Yeah. You would like even... to know if they knew that for sure he was like, oh, I'm a starter now. Like wherever I sign, like I'm part of the rotation. Like did they know that when they acquired they him, him at the deadline? Yeah. It would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> yeah, there's no medical for that. Yeah. Right? There's no. Yeah. They didn't look over his medicals. Oh, wow. It says here that he actually wants to be a starting pitcher. He wants to be an astronaut, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah he doesn't, doesn't want to be playing baseball anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Justin Turner, a Toronto Blue Jay, if you're joining us now. I just, yeah. I, I keep looking at how they're going to make all of this fit. And to me, this is basically just simply, he's not the Matt Chapman replacement. He's... Plain and simply the Brandon Belt replacement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, God. He's right-handed Brandon here's Belt. Here's the thing. We saw the Brandon Belt thing. It was 89 wins in an offense that wasn't good enough, right? Yeah, mm. if he could, honestly, if you could sign up for Brandon Belt season out of Justin Turner this year, you're doing that in a heartbeat. Like, that's the best you could hope for, Brandon Belt and and killing lefty pitching. And I know that this team is super right-handed, but they they just have not done really all that well against left-handed uh, pitching, hitting home runs. I mean, they didn't hit home runs against anybody, and and hopefully, you know, for the Blue Jays' sake, he helps in that regard. But, yeah, you're, you're – this is not even an, uh, – you're right to, to point out Belt. It's like it's, you're just hoping to, to be net neutral on the DH spot because, yeah, and Brandon Belt was one of those guys that I, I had big question marks going into last season considering the, the health – and considering the surgery that he just uh, undertook coming into the season and mm-hmm. considering the first couple of weeks of his season where I was like, oh, this guy's dead and buried. Like, wh- wh- yep. why Why is he attempting to play Major League Baseball but turned himself into arguably the Blue Jays' best and most consistent hitter he all season He needed to warm long? up. He needed to warm up. But, yeah, that was it, too, is he was the on-base guy as well, right? Yes. He was, hey, this guy can actually draw a walk, and that's what Justin Turner's going to do. It's, it's kind of funny, actually, as we're talking it through because – in reality, they have done the ultimate run it back. Yeah. These two new faces are actually the exact same two guys. Because if you think about mm. Matt Chapman, as he was just a glove man last yeah. year. He was just a good glove man who could not hit, was one of the statistically worst offensive players after his initial month. And then you say, actually, Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is his replacement. Yes, that's right. To a T. Yeah. Because he's going to be the same yeah. glove at third. He's just going to be the exact same bat without real hope of upside or finding his game again. Is the real comparison here the Raptors of a season in ago? Way? In that, okay, they were mm, yeah. They, yeah, they made the play-in game, and you know you're you're going to run it back, hoping for internal improvement, and yeah. You know, this, the same core that I think has established what it's chemistry what it is. is. So you got need better chemistry. Yeah, better vibes. Yeah, the vibes are going to be different. Except, yeah, you didn't change the head coach or in this case, the manager that, yeah, I, I don't know. That you're, I you're think that's expecting the part, different results out of the same core. Yeah, I, I think that's actually the part that people should focus on, though, is that this guy is the Brandon Belt replacement just in terms of when, when you look at this and you say, look, you're adding this bat to yeah. your lineup. You're adding JD. Yeah. You went over it. He would have been second on the team in uh, in batting average and first on the team in on base percentage and go on down the line of where his stats go in. And then, but you have to do the math of removing what Brandon Belt contributed from this team right. last year, mm-hmm. and then plug and play this and say, well, how much different would the offense have been if you swapped these two 
fellas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe they still are in on an outfield DH. Well, is there any possibility that they're doing that? Like if you if you cuz you got to think that there's they're, they're going to move someone still off the roster, right? You you would imagine that a Espinal isn't going to be here or something along those lines. Uh, like one bench player is gone. Maybe they take a lottery ticket DH. I, I would have a tough time thinking it's Solaire right now, but yeah, there's, I, there's probably got to be one more offensive piece I, that does come in here as insurance for a 39 year old and Isaiah kind of for Leffa. Yeah. I, I think you're done signing guys who believe that they're deserving of an everyday DH job. And despite the fact that mm-hmm. he's 39 years old, Justin Turner played what, like 140 plus games a season mm-hmm. ago, right? Like I'm sure you told Justin Turner, you're an everyday guy at DH and like every once in a while, maybe a couple of times a month, we're going to play you either. That's at probably third a base similar pitch second. that they gave to Kevin Pillar the year before. Yeah. But, and if, if again, to bring it back to Joey Votto, if Joey Votto still thinks he's that guy and he can get, somebody to commit to him in that fashion, which I think is a tougher sell for him because of his body of work last season. I know he hit a bunch of home runs, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's also 40 years old and coming off major surgery. So I think it's a tougher sell for a, a franchise to sell him on a full-time DH role. So that's that's why I can maybe connect the dots that he's like, okay, I'm not going to get that anywhere. And at least I'll be a left-handed option for a team that needs that. And, you know, Maybe I get the, the those those DH days that Justin Turner is playing third base or second base, and it's not Vlad or George Springer, or the inevitable injury happens, and maybe mm-hmm. it's it's Springer or Turner himself that gets injured. I'm I'm in there as the DH. That that to me makes more sense. But yeah, the Solaire thing out the window. It's really weird how long this Bellinger thing has gone on, and and the Chapman thing. I mean, there was a hot moment there where it felt like yeah, the Blue Jays' best option. And and the one that is the most realistic as far as a splash is bringing the old band back together and, and getting Matt Chapman. But no, I, I think this is your team, man. I got, I, I think this is I mean, also like pitchers and catchers in like five minutes. Like it's 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 almost February. That's so fast. I know. I know. Is it like two weeks? So That's yeah. That's the funniest thing about baseball is that it goes away and then it's just, hey, I'm back. And you're like, oh, I. I, I. <laughs> but not really. Like you get yeah. the first images of pitchers yeah, yeah. and catches, which is sweet. And then you get the first spring training game and you're like, oh, talk to me in a month. Yeah. Yeah. Then I start to get annoyed by all the people who are live tweeting the Blue Jays spring oh, games yeah. as though they're the World Series. Uh, here's Here's my last the positive on the Justin Turner thing mm. uh, as I'm, as I'm trying to talk myself more and more into it. Uh, and you know me, I'm a believer of the intangibles. And if you're thinking about the internal improvement or you're thinking about Bo Bichette's, uh, another reference to the Blair and Barker interview. And when you and I have spoken with him as well, mm-hmm. the guy clearly wants to win. I don't think that, um, I don't think that players, should be general managers as we're seeing with Giannis Antetokounmpo now and the Milwaukee Bucks, Mm. uh, as we've seen with LeBron, even the best of them can turn out to be the worst general managers. But Bo clearly had a very deep connection with Marcus Semien. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if part of this is him saying, no, this is the kind of guy we need in the clubhouse to get right, to get serious, Mm -hmm. that there will be even more of an emphasis on this this season, even though we keep going back to the well and saying, Oh, will you guys not do the stupid base it's, running thing this year? Will you have the better approach this year? Weird. Yeah, because it's it's it was such a focus of this team and the players that they acquired and the players that they sent out yeah. last year. And I don't know specifically what happened to the Blue Jays in that regard this past season, but like uh, uh, the evidence is obvious that it didn't help. The, like the base running was still, they were inept and made mm-hmm. a huge mistake in a huge opportunity. So if that was part of the thinking, well, it didn't work out that way. But also like you hear stuff sure. about like, 
Yeah, just the way those guys meshed and like the clubhouse being yeah. kind of weird too. Like, yeah, well, but again, this is a doubling down of that. Of uh, and you're adding a guy who played for the Yankees and a guy who played for the Red Sox and the Dodgers, right? The yeah, guys who have been with serious ball clubs. And but and, and go just, and know what it is to go into a baseball game expecting to win. Yep. And with Justin Turner, I know you said thirty five is different than thirty nine. Mm-hmm. I I, I that's a good you. observation. It was. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I think your best one is still the the lefty bats who are signing the the prove it deals are mm-hmm. saying, eh, we'd probably like to be somewhere with a more offensive profile in the yeah. middle of a lineup that, that offers a, a little bit more guaranteed protection, even though I know we accept now that uh, lineup protection isn't a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but Justin Turner, since turning 35 years old, he plays a ton. He's yes. been incredibly durable. This guy, he, if you need him to play, he's, he's going to play 146 games last year, 128 the year before that 151 before that pandemic season and then 135 the season before that. Okay. So this dude throughout his 34 to 38 seasons has played baseball games. And since he's been 35 years old, his, his OPS has been 860, 832, 788, and 800. Mm-hmm. His OPS plus 133, 120, yeah. 120, 114. I'm just, all I'm saying is there is at least a really strong track record of this guy has performed well into his late 30s. Yeah, and pretty like, consistent. Right. Is uh, if we're doing when when the Jays signed Brandon Belt, what did we do? It was hey, this guy a couple before the knee surgeries, he was looking great. He was doing this. You, you're kind of removing that variable with Justin Turner. You should actually have a little bit more faith in what Justin Turner is going to bring you than Brandon Belt. And I know people were dubious of that signing. It no, worked out though well. It's you're a hundred percent right. So so this one is just this is a to me a more proven. Brandon Belt. Yes. So, it's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Although, again. I keep coming back to the, yeah. I, again, know, I know, I know, I know. Again, if you All can, roads lead back to the same place. Brandon Belt. So, I mean, he only played 103 games as opposed to, what, the 146 that Justin Turner played last year. Yeah. But he had an OPS of 858, and he hit 19 bombs, and he had uh, an incredible on-base percentage. Like, if you get yeah. Brandon Belt production out of Justin Turner, you're laughing. And guess what? You're not getting Brandon Belt. But yeah, you're right to say that you feel more confident that you're going to get at least an above average performance out of Justin Turner than you did out of Brandon Belt when they signed him a season ago. But like I said, the the difference of this guy playing baseball games and this guy having a better track record of health, when was one of the biggest trouble spots for the Blue Jays? It's probably not a good thing that this was the case, but is when their old DH, Brandon Mm. Belt, got hurt and all of a sudden he wasn't in the lineup and you said, boy, these guys look really paper thin. Yes. And at least Brandon Belt was left-handed too. That's the thing, man. Yeah. That's why I keep going I'm okay with this though. I actually, I feel as though, to me, this was a... Hey, go get the best player available sure. over which side of I would the, have been uh, I would have been uh, more in that camp if it was a JD Martinez who was like really yeah. otherworldly and didn't play yeah, yeah. as many games as Turner a season ago. Oh, and ago also and JD just... Martinez strikes fear in you. Like yeah. he's, you step up to the plate and it's a big spot. There's a runner on second base. Mm. And and I feel like JD Martinez is going yard versus Justin Turner. I'm saying, "Come on, man, you hit a, you know, barrel one up, hit a hit a single." Yeah. No, I, I, I thought you know, on a short-term DH-only deal that J.D. Martinez was my guy, um, and this would have been lower down the list, but not not a negative. Like <laughs> You could feel positive about a 39-year-old basically pure DH because you just had essentially the same guy be one of your best, most consistent hitters 
filled that role a season ago, except he was left-handed. But yeah, no, Justin yeah. Turner and Bovichet likes him too. So, so th- th- that's yeah. good. That's nice. No, that's good. Yeah, it's that's good. And, and last thing I'll say is my guess, and I'm my thought is that it would be yours as well. Mm. Is if they if we got a deep dive into why it's Justin Turner and say not JD Martinez, it, it does have to do with the, like probably Martinez very likely has a way bigger market for his yes, services. Right I would now. think, I would think. And you know and, what? He's got like, they, again, like yeah. you talk about injury and the, the idea that guy's going to post every day. I think JD mm-hmm. Martinez struggled with back stuff last year. And yeah, again, mm-hmm. played a, a month less of, of baseball. Um, also I, I'm, I'm, like, does Toronto have a strong history of, of ginger athletes, like high high level ginger athlete, athletes? I feel like Justin Turner goes to the top of the pile, right? Hmm. This is good news for the ginger that. community. I got to think about that. I don't. I don't have that one offhand. I just. I, I tried to do a quick scroll through my brain, and nothing no, nothing clicked came immediately. Out nothing. Nothing clicked into place immediately. But no. But you know, in terms of just the strategy of it, and then we'll take a quick break. It's. I, I don't mind this part of it is people would go, well, why wouldn't you wait? Or why wouldn't you sign JD Martinez? Or why wouldn't you sign Solaire? Well, if you think that you're not in on those guys, mm-hmm. then you want to actually make sure that you're getting Justin Turner. Yeah. You so can't that you're have not nothing. Holding. That's it. It's, it's like there, there were, to me, there were these three guys left. I did my show after Jock Peterson signed last Friday. Yeah. And I said, your options are getting thin. It's getting to be time to act because there isn't just a plethora of players that you can pull from. And you're, for the reasons that you listed and some of the ones that we've discussed in this segment, you're not the premier destination here, right? You're, you're not the spot that is guaranteed to do these things. And the last thing that you would actually, I think for me personally, I would rather have the Jays. This makes me sound like the shill of all shills, but it's true. I would rather have the Jays sign Justin Turner to the one year flexibility. Don't worry, get out of this thing. Then if they perceived Solaire yeah. as a guy who wasn't going to age well on a contract and he's saying, yeah, I'll come to Toronto, but it's got to be a four-year deal at big money, I would rather keep the financial flexibility open knowing what we know about this team and, mm-hmm. and the the way that he could like – I don't think he's going to drastically change the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a better player, a more, a more suitable bat. There's lots of reasons to like Solaire more. All I'm saying is – if you're pressed up against a decision where you say we have to give this guy something or we're getting nothing, I, I don't think that's a good place to be. No, uh, Jorge Soler was better last season and is younger. Justin Turner has been the better player throughout the course of his career. And yeah, but we also think his career could be over. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, he's 39. You have to think that yeah. way. But again, he played, he played 140 plus games last yep. season in the American League East and posted and and performed admirably well. But yeah, yeah, All right. right. Let, Yep. Uh, let's take a quick break. And then if we have any more thoughts on this, we'll close. But yes, I, I have uh, a few more things for Ben Ennis in terms, uh, and especially, I, I can't believe we're, we're still so divided on analytics and uh, that football game exposed us for who we truly are. Quick break, then more good hour with Ben Ennis. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, I'm going to have more Justin Turner talk later in the show today. I've got Colby Armstrong at 10. Had it been in studio, it would have been the hour. But since I got jammed up, literally, by the city, and I'm working from home today, I, I added Ben Nicholson-Smith to the show because I, I want to know what the I, – I want answers to those questions. Mm. I didn't give you the, enough answers? Well, no, you gave me thought-provoking discussion I gave you no about answers. the signing. Yeah. No, but – and and I think that you raise an excellent point that I am going to bring up with BNS about good. the 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 offensive output 
at the Rogers Center and how that may have impacted free agents and whether that was at least a discussion among agents. I think that's a really astute observation by you. So good job. But Ben is an insider and Ben is someone who you and I both bother constantly about, yeah. hey, what is the, you know, a little text message off the, to the side? Yeah, like you, like you text people that I would never yeah. text, but like he is one yeah. of the few people because he's so nice. I, like I have no yeah. qualms about texting yeah, him about no even like the in, inane, yeah, irrelevant baseball stuff. That I, yeah, care I have about. no shame. I, I know that sometimes I'll try certain people. They won't even text me back. But then when they do, the, I would say the only toxic thing I do is sometimes I'll text people like, what's up? Like, how are you? And in reality, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm here yeah, for like, the info. Yeah. You know? Did you open the door for me to yeah, yeah, yeah. get my real questions in? And- hey, <laughs> <laughs> no reason was just thinking about you. Just uh-huh. thinking about you. Hoping that you're doing well. What do you think? Oh, while I've got you. <laughs> while I have you what do you think about me wanting free information from you that would be great thank you very much but the odd time I'll get a thing and it's worth it Uh, it's worth it for the audience you gotta you gotta try you gotta dig in you gotta try okay so I don't have as I don't have as much time for this as I I really thought I was going to because yeah the Justin Turner thing broke and it changed a lot of what good hour is supposed to be but I, I just simply want to ask you this. Maybe maybe this is too long form because I, I did want to sort of dissect this, but there was this huge debate over analytics during the Detroit Lions-San Francisco 49ers game, right? Online discourse was, is momentum real? Which yeah. I refuse to even engage in that because it's so obviously real yeah. that I just, I can't I mean, I Brandon can't imagine. makes the catch and we're all having the same conversation, right? I, so I hear... I will, I'll be open to a lot of discussions about things in sports, right? Clutch, is it real? Is it not? Do we overstate it? Do we understate it? Um, You know, even when we were just talking about lineup protection, Mm -hmm. do we overstate? Do we understate? Is there any statistical proof? Like I'll I'll hear those arguments out. Momentum (laughs) is just, I refuse to even engage in it because you, everyone has it in their life. You know, this is not just an exclusive to sports thing. This is an across the board thing. But my question to you is simply this. So there's all this discussion about, analytics and the the thing I kept coming back to is do you think that they have actually made sports better like from an entertainment standpoint because people are going they ruined the sports they ruined the sports and I thought man but I I like fourth downs I think that they're entertaining I don't really like that it's as predictable sometimes as it is but Mm. yeah we've seen this in some where basketball is way too much now I think corner threes and and maybe some of this is defense and the way that it's schemed up and Kerr's talked about it we've talked about baseball how some of the stats don't matter as much, and that's less fun. But they're like, where, where are you at just in terms of have they made sports a more enjoyable product? Not have they made us more yeah. informed, not have they made us smarter, right? Or have they made sports better? Yeah, as long as there's, you know, it's, it's not uniformity, as long as there's no uniformity. And that's the problem with baseball mm-hmm. is that it becomes too plug and play, yeah. where it's like, oh, well, yeah, any nerd with a computer can just make the, the right statistical move. And if you don't do that, then you're just like, there's a, you can say factually that's the wrong move. It may work out, but like just from a raw numbers perspective, it's wrong. As long as there are sports, and baseball is such an individual, particular sport because, yeah, you can separate every little moment from from the larger context, and, and we have huge samples and and the statistical analysis of, uh, analysis of an individual event or an individual pitch or an individual game is just like there's more reason to feel confident in your analytics takes in baseball than you are in the other free-flowing sports. But as long as there's like not everybody doing the exact same thing, I think there is 
it, a, an argument to be made that it's more entertaining because you can, you know, you got people on other sides of the aisle and you can have disagreements on the way those are applied and just culturally, you know, which, which what kind of philosophy you want your front office to operate under. It, the problem arises is when you take the guesswork, the the second guessing, the the like fun little discourse out of it. As long as mm-hmm. th- there is like there's people doing things counter to the plug and play of it, I I think it can make it more entertaining. Yeah, I think it can. That's the the operative word there. It can, but if we're we're operating on what we've actually seen, I think that there has been a lot of uniformity. The way that teams play basketball, the way that people, you know, talk about baseball now. Mm-hmm. I, I love the idea of bringing Justin Turner in from the intangible standpoint, and I'm a believer that that stuff matters. And to me, again, most reasonable people can have this conversation and say, hey, well, you know, I think that you take some of the bad, some of the good, you balance it out, you use it as a test. Like Blake Murphy is the smartest analytics person I know personally, like who's in my corner. Mm-hmm. And as much of a believer as I'm he, number two. he is in these. Yeah, you're you're. Sure. Uh, since you stayed in the studio today. No, but I think the the people that apply it properly do. I just, to me, it, it does get a little, I don't think it's great for games when we ex- accept it as just the way it has to be. Right. Right. When it comes to a signing or the way that you operate an offense or the shots that you take. And that, that to me is when it gets a little like ruiny of sports. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt watching the Lions game is I love fourth downs and I don't think that Dan Campbell did those things just based on analytics. I think that he did that oh, because his I kicker stinks and he was just that. trying to yeah, build. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I, I think the, uh, the yeah. Is that the argument people are making? Because no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. a lot. Yeah, a lot. No, of no, were, no, but, no, no. Uh, but I, I'm just saying that in general, I didn't love it when, let's say, it was the Chargers, for example, where yeah. they went, "Well, the math says," and I went, "Okay, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to feel as though we're not trying to just boil everybody down into a formula and have it be just that way." Anyways, thank you for staying today. I very much appreciate you. Mm. Uh, quick break, and then the other side, uh, my friend and yours, the golden retriever of people, Colby Armstrong. All right. One of my favorite people, one of your favorite guests, superstar Colby Armstrong of the Game Notes podcast. What's up, brother? We got you? Oh, I couldn't hear. I was just listening to your spa music you were rolling. I figured. You thought thought that was spa music? Yeah. I thought it was a little relaxing. It's like elevator. Small kind of hipster stuff. I always try to tell them, hey, give me something that gives me some energy. Give me something that is going to set the tone. And that one was very much set the tone of like, hey, it's like, hey, put your face are down. Are we going to wake and bake? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Armin is a very chill dude. He's a very chill dude. And so he's, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, he totally gave himself away on that one. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's it's no mystery. It's no mystery with my guy Armin. As he's 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 a. Uh, it's it's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. How we doing? Yeah. It's good. Now, to, now I, he's waking out. He's like, oh man, now my boss yeah, is no. I do oh, it edible. I know he's paranoid. He's that's that's one of the side effects, Arvin. You knew this when you signed up. Is uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you smoked the weed and and this is what happens. You, you start yeah. to get worried. Man, that was, it's funny. I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day, how the worst thing when you smoke weed is, is someone being like, you look high, 
right? It's, it just immediately takes you out of it. You're like, what? And then you'll cop to anything before you admit to being high. Like you'll have the reddest <laughs> eyes. You'll reek. You'll just be, you'll be completely out of attention. And someone says, wow, did you smoke weed? Are you high? And it automatically your brain for whatever reason just goes into full defense <laughs> mode. Like, no, I, I, that's so weird. You say that I haven't used so weed no, in like tired. 10 years. Yeah. I'm tired. I guess I, I'm actually, I, I actually don't do that ever. So, uh, so far, oh, I wonder, did you watch our game last night? Did you watch the Sens play? The only game on schedule last night. We were working that game, but they yeah. showed an old picture of like, we were talking about, it came up with like frosted tips, our favorite yeah. Um, yeah. all-star moments. And it was JR yeah. going four for four, sick hair. Yeah. And Willie made a comment. Jay Willie made a comment about his frosted tips too. He had them like when yeah, he played with JR at that time. Yeah. So they put it up there, but like, like Jay Willie's picture looks like he's just mangled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of those I are was just. Dying. Yeah, like the, the bringing those up. You know, it's the worst is how. Remember thinking in from basically high school through your twenties. You know what's good is you've seen par- pictures of your parents or generations before old yearbook photos, and you'd say to yourself, I'll, at least I'll never have embarrassing photos of me because what I'm dressing like <laughs> yeah. and looking like is so sick that it will hold up the test of time. And then there's pictures of me with like long hair, wearing glasses and uh, a tool t-shirt. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. boy, <laughs> you know, like to have this one scrubbed from the internet. Wish I could get rid of this <laughs> yeah. one. Sleeve uh, monster that, got you the whole thing. Man. Yeah. One of those. I, pictures. I, oh, I was a, I was a sleeves under the t-shirt guy, like a long sleeve under the t-shirt guy. And that look, I, I oh, that. yeah, that was yeah, sick. That was like yeah, Kurt Cobain or yeah. something, right? Puka shell necklace with uh bleach oh, hair yeah. and yeah, the long tip. sleeves under the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Not great. Yeah. You were frosted tips guy. I never did that. Oh. I just was even rattier where I just would bleach my hair and then grow it out and then it would just be dead ends of bleached hair with normal hair underneath. It's so gross. Oh, I can just picture you wheeling around wheeling around with your bottoms of your jeans just frayed to hell just dragging on the ground. Destroyed. The back of so what my like, yeah. high shoes or DC shoes absolutely <laughs> obliterating the back of uh, what? Oh yeah, some sick jeans that I would never retire because I got them and they were cool two years ago. But now I'm just still crushing the backs of them, just covered in mud and frayed. That's it. That's all. Buddy, that's a, I call that the Saskatchewan starter kit when I was a yeah. kid. It was <laughs> it was DC DC skate yeah. shoes, frayed baggy baggy jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to go definitely t-shirt over long sleeve shirt. Yeah. Like exactly what you explained with here's the, here's the clincher though. White Oakley's. <laughs> yeah, that, I, couldn't do it. I had, I, couldn't I did do it have Oakley's. I, it was either, listen, it was either you were a dragon man or an Oakley's man. Okay. With the sunnies. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. always the way you had to be. I could never turn around on the white Oakley's. So I was a blood red Oakley minutes guy. Okay. That's, that was my, that, that was my just passion. I loved blood red Oakley's. I, I think I had three oh, pairs of the minutes. Cause I had kept, those buddy. Yeah. I, but I kept losing them. And so, and it was the worst because they were expensive and there was nothing like your parents just hammering you over having expensive sunglasses. They thought it was the stupidest thing on planet earth. Like they couldn't believe that anyone would do it, especially when you were a teenager. And so anytime I would lose them, it was just like, it was the worst day of my life. Oh buddy. I'm the worst sunglasses guy now. Just yeah, got me, me thinking. I'm such a dad though. 
What do you oh do? yeah, leave them everywhere. Such a yeah. dad, and I got the I got the bended nose all over my face, so it's really hard yeah. to get like sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, that you got to get normal. Fitted. I got custom no, they got to like melt. They got to melt like the whole frame of the thing fit on my nose. But it's like uh, now I just go to like it's called Five Below in Pittsburgh. They have these like chain stores. Do they have that here? Is that what it's no, called here? I don't think so. It's like the dollar store pretty much, you know? Okay, yeah. And I buy these shades there. They're like a buck, and they're sick. (laughs) That's a dad move. Yeah, that is a big dad move. I'm still living in the city single, so I still buy expensive sunglasses. Like, that's going to be the tipping point. Yeah, Yeah, like a girl would look at me in the summer and be like, wow, you wear the same expensive sunglasses as every other guy. I'm so impressed. (laughs) I'm like, thank you for noticing. Thank you for taking Yeah, they look at at me, they're like, are those polarized? I'm like, why is the sticker still on? (laughs) Dude, I will say there is something super enjoyable about being at a gas station and going through the sunglass rack and trying them on and then doing it like, ha, 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 this is just a joke. But then you find the one pair where you're like, and then you like randomly like how yeah. much are these I'm just grab them as a joke. yeah exactly <laughs> oh, oh, oh just as a joke hey yeah you know what i'll take a stick of beef i'll take some beef jerky and yeah throw in these uh 20 sunnies that are just a joke and who cares i'll wear them to a cottage sometime and then all of a sudden they're like your sunglasses yeah. in the summer <laughs> that's a great oh, that little mirror a, that little mirror lies buddy it says on the side, like on the arm of the glasses, like bright eyes. Like, have you ever heard yeah. of that brand? Like, hell no. no. But you're, but you're like these kind of look good on me. I'm gonna wear them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I love that though. Finding the cheap pair that yep. you look good in is an elite experience. That is truly a good one. And your friends are never on your team. You know, that's actually a sign of a good friend is if they gas you up when you're putting on the crappy gas station sunglasses. You know, if you're with a friend who goes, "Those are sweet. You should get those." That's a good friend. That's a real true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. friend which is not I any actually of don't mine. mind those those are actually not bad you look good yeah yeah you look good yeah grab yeah. those hey actually just just throw them in i'll grab them like that's that's a true that's a true friend uh okay yeah so I it is that. it is all-star week you're in the city i'm hoping that i do see it sucks today i got i got jammed up today i got stuck subways were down you can't move across the city so i'm not in studio i'm back at the apartment that's why i was texting you just do it from home today but yeah it's all-star week what are you doing like you're just doing tons of sports and stuff. I, I know you're doing the live event with the Chicklets guys on Friday night. You got a busy week. I got to pull up the schedule here, bud. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it'll be pretty busy. I'll be with the Chicklets crew, uh, buzz around town. We have, you know, some full days of interviews, which hopefully I can hang out, hang around and do some of those with all these guys um, starting pretty much today all the way through. <clears throat> and then on uh, the big thing is on Friday, we have a meet and greet at King's Taps from 5 to 6.30. So if people want to come down to that and check that out, we'll be there on Friday night, 5 to 6.30, meet and greet at King's Taps with the Spit and Chicklets guys. Uh, I'm doing some Rogers stuff as well, just some sit-down interviews on Media Day mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of guys. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. So I'm kind of double-dipping this weekend. But mm-hmm. I worked last night, and I just, you know, because of the schedule, because of Toronto, it worked out perfect. I just, I'm hunkering in here all week. And just be grinding it out, having a good time, being around all stars. Like what's, yeah, what's better like than that. that? Yeah, I like that. Especially since you know what? There's a lot yeah. of um a lot obviously alumni here too. So um they have yeah. like some some really cool setups with the alumni and, and uh I think it's called the um Walter's basement or mm-hmm. something like that. It's a pop up 
thing okay. supposed to be resembling Walter Gretzky's basement, which is really cool. Oh, so we'll cool. be spending some that time cool. there and stuff too. So yeah, there's all that? those things around town. I'm sure you'll be taking in some parties and stuff, hey? Yeah, I'll be doing. I'll be doing a few things. Uh, actually, this is a good time for me to also do this read because uh, I'm looking forward to this because we we have uh, the fanfare. I don't know if you're going to be down there for that, uh, but yeah, the NHL fanfare. Uh, the NHL's transformation of Toronto for the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this weekend includes this NHL fanfare. It's a four-day family-friendly event uh, from February 1st to the 4th with interactive hockey games, special appearances by NHL players, and more. So visit Rogers and Sportsnet at the fanfare to win awesome hockey prizes. Have your photo taken at the Sportsnet broadcast desk and test the speed of your slap shot with the Rogers Hardest Shot competition. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to secure your tickets at NHL.com backslash fanfare while supplies last. I was always really nervous doing those things, like when you have to do a hardest shot or throw a baseball and get it clocked on the gun. Yeah. You just feel like, oh, no, this is too much. That's too much pressure for me. Like those those situations, I, I crumble. I'm like, everyone oh, cares the most about what I do. <laughs> Everybody's going to remember this for the rest of their lives. They're going to bump into me 10 years down the line and be like, didn't you try to do hardest slap shot and you sucked? And I, uh, no, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. <laughs> I run away. Did you do, did you do like the pitching radar gun and you like threw like 55 and they put yeah. like the age of like players that could throw 55 and you like yeah. threw it as hard as a 14 yeah, wasn't year old. That you? Like, wasn't no, that no, you? no, 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 some other guy looks exactly like no, you. No. A lot of people say that though. I got to get out of here. They're like, <laughs> yeah, were, were you wearing bright eyes, gas station sunglasses? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, hey, I swear so, it was wait, you. Yeah. It, wait, do you, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before how like doing the, the job, and for you, it's probably different having been a player and you meet so many guys and right. Like you were on a team where, you, you know, you have Mario there. So maybe this this rubbed off pretty quick or this changed pretty quick. But I remember the first time I met Curtis Joseph. I think I told you how when I met him, I accidentally called him Cujo right away. I was like, hey, Cujo, nice to meet you. And oh, I just yeah, felt like the biggest dork. Yeah, no, but I just felt like the biggest nerd, right? But he was my idol as a kid, right? There's a difference when you idolize a player. Is there anybody that comes down to these things these these all-star events where you would go, oh, man, if I met that guy, I think I'd act like a little bit of a nerd? Um, I, I do that all the time, yeah. And it's like... <laughs> I do that all the time still. Oh, you like, are a big compliments guy, so I could see you spiraling giving compliments to somebody. Yeah, no, I... I Mark Messier, I don't know why. Mm. I saw him at the last all-star game that I was at, which was in Vegas during, like, COVID or whatever, and I went down and worked it, and he was there with the ESPN crew, but he like walked by. He could have been a nicer guy. He was he was so nice. He even knew my name and everything. I was like, holy god, that's Mark Messier. What the hell? Mm-hmm. And just started chatting to him. But you know, you know when you're like trying to keep it cool and you don't know if you're like being a loser or not. Kind of. That's yeah. yeah that's that's where I was at. I get like that around around Mario too, and obviously others. But I I don't know. I I maybe I hide it well. I don't think so personally. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's. There's people like that where I'm like, what the hell? But I'm definitely inside the thing that I have that's good that I'm like training my kids to be like, like, it's just to go up and say hi. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, hey, nice to meet you. You know, so I'm not afraid to do that. Like, just go up and initiate right away if I really want to meet someone, even though I'm like wicked nervous or like you have that like nervous anxiety feeling about like not being an idiot. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be lots of people here, man. The first time I, when I signed and came to the Leafs, Kipper invited me out one night. It was before the season started. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey, you got to come. It's Cujo's birthday. 
And I went to Cujo's birthday and I met him for the first time there too. It was so cool. He's like the nicest guy in the world. So yeah. that was my, that was like a welcome to Toronto experience. I was like hanging out with people from the bare naked ladies and everything. They're all at this thing. Oh, so, and I loved the, the bare naked ladies in high school. They were sick. So they were there yeah, too. Of oh my God. I was just freaking yeah. out the whole time. No, that's really cool. Hey, hey, Kipper, if you listen to this, thanks for my invite to your Cujo. Uh, actually, he knows. Like I was, he's like, that's the dead last guy I would want there. Because I always start <laughs> yeah. quiet. I always start quiet, trying to be cool, right? That's my move. Is yeah, it's just you know, just cool, just chilling. It's not really saying too much. And then two beers, and then once I get like that little sliver of an opportunity, I'm just blabbing, and it's annoying. And then I'm in the Uber home, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe you said that." <laughs> yeah, just, oh, oh my god, god why did I life. say that? Why did I? Why did I have to talk so much? Like, why can't you just let other people talk more? That's yeah. me. I just <laughs> in complete shambles. Messier is a brutal one though because I've also met him and he shows up in the leather jacket and he's still buff yeah. as hell and he just looks cool. And I'm, I'll never forget when I first met him. My first thought, right as I was shaking his hand, was this guy dated Madonna. Like he's you're nothing. You're, <laughs> you're, this guy is the like he's the Captain Richard. Like he's Mark Messier, leather jacket, shredded, looking great, dated Madonna, and you're up there like, hi, Mister Messier. It was I just I, there's very few times where I feel as low as when I met Messier. It's like when you stare up at the sky. When you're high at a cottage weekend, you take a little bit of mushrooms and you're just like staring at the sky. And you go, I'm insignificant. It was the same feeling when I met Messi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the guy's a rocket. He totally yeah. is. And his nickname is the Messiah. Get out of here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah Moose or the that? Messiahs. Yeah. It's pretty good yeah. nicknames. Pretty good I nicknames. Know. I know. <laughs> Mine's bunk. Moose. Great. Uh. <laughs> Arm dog. <laughs> Arm dog. <laughs> we sound, our nicknames sound like we're exactly the guys that we're explaining we yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Messiah, here's Bunk and Arm Dog to meet you. He's like, oh, yeah, I How guess. How you doing, Matt? Hey, Spike, hey, Spike, yeah. hey, Spike. What's your cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, see them out. See them out. <laughs> yeah, I can't like, wait, like, though, for this week to see all I those know. people, though. Like, that's yeah, just, this cool. is it, right? This is Toronto's yeah. big opportunity to shine. They're the center of mm-hmm. the hockey world. Like, let's see it. Roll it. We're going to see a big it. show. I hate it. We're going to see a big show. You say it still with that Western Canadian tone center of the universe. You still got it under, you can't, you know, Kipper invites you, you go to the Leafs party with Cujo and the bare naked ladies. And you're still there just being like Leafs. They're there's all that. (laughs) That's still in you. It's Toronto. Yeah. It's Toronto. 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 So yeah, I I, I do want to ask you. So this, this time of year though, this must have been the best as a player where all of a sudden you go, okay, you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding. And then you're, you're just, everybody's thinking about vacations and time away and actually being able to get a break in the schedule. And yeah, I wonder what that, that usually looked like for you. Well, for me, um, after I turned down the invitation, the all-star, I never liked to go cause I liked my downtime. Yeah. yeah that was I, it. uh, yeah. Like, who was that I on would, the Kraken uh, where they asked him? He's like, I'm going to Disneyland. And he's like, you better cancel it. You're going to the All-Star game. I was like, he was crushed. Why did we put this out there? Like, he was so happy to be going. And Seth Jarvis, devastated. like, just for Carolina, just was, like, telling his fans not to vote for him for the fan books yeah. here. And he booked a non-refundable <laughs> trip. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, uh, really I would funny. I would try to do – I would try to get away somewhere, like, decent. You know, you got to go where the sun is a little bit. Guys like to do that, I think. Uh, one time I did a staycation in Toronto. I stayed here 
and just went and got a hotel for the weekend, did like a whole spa thing. So, uh, but usually I'd like to get away and get some downtime. Like when do you ever get that like middle of the season, hockey season thing? Um, and it just kind of comes up on your schedule. I know like being in Pittsburgh, the Penguins have like nine days off. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a long time. Like I might be that hard to long. come out of that though. That I was going to say, is that hard to come out of? Well, yeah, I think, I think it is kind of, I think it will be challenging. I'm sure guys, you know, probably with that, will have like a plan to take care of themselves and everything. Like, you know, like what I would do is in today's day and age is I would just, you know, post snippets of myself <laughs> working out on Instagram. So everyone thinks I'm working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Just save the old clips. Look at Army's working out on the yeah. beach. <laughs> He's grinding. He's grinding. Uh, you know what, though? That does suck with the the modern day. I will say, I don't think hockey's too much like that in terms of if you come back slow, people criticize you too much about taking the vacation time. But yeah, that is kind of a good point of now there is no, like there is no privacy the same way. You know, you take that, you take that yeah. break and everybody knows what you did. So if you suck coming out of it, they're kind of like, yeah, well, I hope you enjoyed your time at the cabana because we need you back scoring goals. Yeah, there's pictures of you with, you know, sunny eyes, gas station glasses, sitting at a yeah. blackjack table at three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't have that. Yeah, you're out that there. It's out there. You know what you're though? I, I yeah. think it's. I think it's good. Prob- it's probably good for most players. But I actually think that it's and and maybe again, it's a challenge coming back and getting yourself into it. I do think that it's especially big for the Leafs right now, though, because. I like I don't know how much of the noise you've taken in this season, just in terms of the ups and downs and the way that it's fluctuated between oh this is a disaster and they're going to be sellers, they're going to be buyers. Is this guy not performing well enough? But even by Leaf standards, I, I think that this is about as loud as it's ever gotten. I know that people are probably saying, "Dude, this is every year with this team," but it's like, nah, man. There, the expectations, the contract signings, the Nylander stuff, the Sweden trip. The Matthews re-signing the offseason, the pending stuff here, the free agents that they've got. It's just been like unbelievably loud from a media and fan standpoint that they win these couple of games and they go into the break. I just I got to think that it's even bigger for these guys just to be able to be like, okay, cool. We can get away from this for a while, even if it's the players that are in the all-star game and they're taken to the festivities, that it's just, hey, we, we've got a week or whatever, a week and a half, that we don't have to be ha- being criticized, we don't have to be being talked about, we don't have to be scrutinized for everything. Yeah, I, I think it's huge for a lot of things, right, mentally and physically for them. Mm-hmm. And you're right, yeah, there's been a, <laughs> there's been a lot. And, and when, you're in, <clears throat> when you're in Toronto especially, like, you know, these, some of these Canadian markets, it, it's cranked up, like, all the time. Like, every day you come to the rink, you come off practice, and there's, you know, 20 some people in the dressing room all the time and it's every day. So um, even though I think you're around here, the expectation is, is like, this is a show, it's a fun weekend. So I still think, I don't think, you know, you're going to be held to like some crazy standard while you're here. And the good thing about for them about being around here is they're around all the facilities and they can, you know, yeah, they miss out on dipping their toes in the sand and everything, but it's, it's it's good for them in a way with the guys attending or sticking around that they're they're around everything and then they will they will likely be on the ice more than the other guys so you got a little advantage that way which is well, like maybe said, an advantage for the it's Leafs. It's kind of your staycation, right? It's kind of that's yep. the way that I'm imagining both all these guys that are here have to treat it. Yeah, you have to. I I, I think 
could be possibly depending on the demand and the ask, but it could be pretty tiring since you are hosting, you know, it could have a little bit more on your plate, but I think that comes with it. I think it's all about how you approach it. What your attitude is. It's a good, great time to kind of showcase what you guys got going on here. And, and it's great. So I, I, I think it's it could possibly end up being you know, like a little bit of an advantage when all these other teams have you know one guy attending this place and all those days off and they're doing whatever. So a little bit of advantage for your big dogs. Uh, they better hope so because I I do think it's going to be a month till deadline before or once they get out of oh, this yeah. thing, and it is just going to crank up, man. Like it's, it's just sprint. Like, like, do you think I'm overstating this though? Because again, you played here, you know what it's like here. And, but I just think, I think with social media and the weight of expectations of this group and how many guys are on the final years of their contracts and the pressure that's on the front office with Shanahan and with tree living coming in here. And it just, it, this, this feels like, yeah, the noisiest it's ever been for Toronto. The, the most expectations there is like, this has always been a fan base and a media group. And I'm, I'm including myself in this critique that is, very up and down with the team when things are going well, it's, you know, Stanley cup time. And when they're going poorly, it's get rid of everybody and fire everybody. But it feels like yeah. even now, like game to game, it's ne- it, it's never felt this intense to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in it right now, buddy. Yeah. You're in yeah. it. But uh, Big time. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's always like that around here. And I think it's good when it's like that also, just because, you know, you have a good, you have a good team or you have good players or you have expectations, which is, you know, there's been years where there was, you know, come the trade deadline, you were out of it, you know, and yeah, that's no fun to have teams like that. So it's always exciting. I think they've been relevant, like really relevant the last number of years since this core has been here and, and improved. And I think that's, I think that's fun. Like as a Leafs fan, isn't that all you can ask for is that they're, they're going to be in there. Like they're good. Like, I think they're going to make playoffs. I think it's exciting of what might happen at the deadline um, and what they might look to do. Um, so I, I think everything's for the most part, fairly positive. Is it crazy to say that in Toronto? Mm, they won three in a row. So it's positive time right now, right? It's okay. Things are settling down or whatever, but no, it's, it's this, this next month is going to be huge because it's, it's going to be, uh, I think a pretty flat year. And there's the expectation with this Leafs team now is you got the the monkey off your back with the the first round playoff win. Now it's about hey, go go win a cup, like make make a deep yeah. run, go win a cup. Yeah, well, they, it's, it's like recalibrated the market. They've got some games in hand, right? And they got to make the most of them. You got to win them. It's going to be a sprint to the end. The schedules are going to be jam packed. You're going to be playing every second day, and then down the stretch, you're going to be playing a lot of. Uh, Eastern Conference games and a lot of inter- interdivisional Atlantic games, which is like yeah, four point fun. games, pretty much. So it's it's going to be on. It's going to be fun, and you're going to see where your team's at, and they're they're right there. So I think for Leafs fans, it's all positive, and I think uh, it's exciting leading up to the deadline. Maybe more exciting than it's ever been. Bro, I'm shocked that you're looking at this with a positive outlook. This is very unlike you. It's very it's just <laughs> surprising that that's the the position that the most positive guy I know is taking. Okay, I got yeah. I got one I got one hard hitting one for you before you go. Okay. Oh yeah, you ready? And yeah. I'm sure you've talked about it, and I'm sure it's been brought up to you all the time. But Pens are they've got games in hand, but they're yep. sitting twentieth in the entire league. That's that's where they are right now. Like in terms of just trying to be realistic about where they're at as a team 
and what they're going to do moving forward. Okay, like try to make the playoff push, sure. But if they're on the outside looking into the playoff picture, right, they're just not there. And it doesn't look like it's going to improve the following year. Do you think they could even have the conversation internally of trading Sidney Crosby? Because I, I just hate the idea of Sid closing out his career there, playing as well as he is, but not having more shots at cups. And yet I can't picture this guy outside of Pittsburgh. And I know what he means that organization. And it, it just, it's, I, I find it to be kind of like a really torturous thought exercise. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't see it happening. I think I've said this before. I don't know who asked me this. I just can't see the penguins ever, ever doing that. And I, I and you know what? It's the cupboards have been bare. They're trying to restock with some picks and some prospects and, um, Dubas has tried to go and kind of replenish some depth with waiver wire and signings in the off season and, and bring in some guys so like they can kind of have that. It's been really up and down. And the biggest thing for me down the stretch here is their power play has just been brutal, like just brutal, just struggling. Even the game, they score a power play goal on a few nights ago. They, they got against Florida. They got eight power play chances. They scored one goal, but still it was the story of the game because they ended up losing the game in a shootout. But it's just like, how, how has this power play failed them so poor, so badly when you look at the, the manpower they have? So if they can figure that out down the stretch, who knows what happens? They got games in hand too. They're six points out of the second wild card spot. So they've got mm. some big time work to do, but all those games coming down the end of the year, like they're going to be playing every second day. They got a lot of games. Um, that they've got to jam in before the end of the year. So they're going to be going hot and heavy with hockey. Um, but I, I, I imagine it's big time crunch time as far as, you know, what this, what the picture of the penguins is going to be heading into the trade deadline. I can't see, I can't see that question coming up about Crosby, but I can see it coming up about like, in, as long as he's there, like, what are we going to do? Cause his year this year has just been awesome. Like what he's, what he's so done. Still, this is what I'm saying. This is what's kind of heartbreaking about it is yeah. like, uh, he's, he's clearly one of the best power players. play was good. Like how many points and more goals he would have. It'd be, well, he'd be right the up there. Do you think it's but crazy? You, yeah. But do you think that if the power play was humming, that they're actually a contender? Yeah. Okay. You do. Uh, okay. So then, I, then that I answers think, the question. I don't, I don't, I like, I don't think they're, like, you, know, you talk about Florida, and you look at yeah, Boston, yeah, but you think they could win? I think they could. I think they'd be a threat for sure. But without okay. this power play, like it's costed them so many points. Whether it's one point of you know tying a game at key points in the game or winning games that their power play has just cost them so much, and and they're still just six points out of it. So, yeah. I think that's a massive thing that they have to obviously figure out. It's been going on all year. It's it's just it's it's insane where they're at right now with it. So if they can find any, any kind of consistency to be like a middle of the pack power play team that puts them at at another level. And I think it puts them into a playoff team. Yeah. And, and that's that. So this is where I'm at with it. I think that this year, nothing changes whatsoever. You're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. There is the Gensel trade rumor stuff, which I go, okay. But if, again, if you're trading Gensel, it's hard for me to imagine them replacing him with a, a better player or a better fit or somebody that makes them more of a contender the following season, right? So, like, that comes with its own complications. But I think you go into the deadline, you sort of stand pat, maybe you try to add a little bit on the fringes depending on where you're sitting in the standings. There's no conversation about Sid this year. But I think if they if they miss and it looks bad and they just they don't look like the threat, 
I think during the offseason, Dubas at least has to ask him, like, hey, what what do you want to do? And if he says, no, I'm, I'm committed to this, and this is all I ever want to do, and this is where I want to be, and I believe in the group, then fine. He gets to choose his own destiny. But I think that you at least get to ask him the question during the offseason. I don't think he would ever be traded in season, but I, I, I do think that you – He's just he's too good to have it be this this way where it's like the like final the couple of years twice. Yeah, and, that's yeah, what I'm saying. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy that they missed the playoffs twice, and he's just so motivated this year. It's 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 been awesome watching him. Just some of the stuff that he's done and like his overall game, but um, yeah, he's he's motivated to make the playoffs big time. And if it wasn't for him on this team, which is there's you know plenty of guys that you look at around the league for the heart. And McKinnon, and you know the usual custom, uh, usual guys, yeah. you know, Kucherov. But if you look at the award, really, and and it's the most valuable player to their team, it, what he's done this year for the Penguins, like dragging them along, and consistently game in and game out, what he's done is just insane right now this year. So um, I put him up there in, in you know heart contender for sure, just because of that. And if he can push his team in the playoffs. He's got it's got to be in big time consideration with whoever the heck votes on that. Yeah, I think at the halfway mark, I would probably have McKinnon one, and then uh, it'd be either Kucherov or McDavid two, and then I'd have Sid as like the fourth guy. But that's just again based on where they are in the standings. But you make the good case of just like, hey, most valuable to the team or what he means to the team, then it's kind of hard. They get in the playoffs with what they've been through, and you look at his body of work and the way he's played and the consistency with which he's like drag this team along. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think that's like the epitome of the award, what he's doing right now. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I just, it's, it's impossible for me to think about him in another Jersey. And yet it's impossible for me to think about another year of him missing the playoffs, like his age 37 season. I, I just, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. So I, I hope that something ends up working out. Honestly, I just hope that they end up making a push. Uh, hey buddy, I'll let you go. Thanks for making time today. And then, yeah, I'll try to see you this week. Yeah. Hopefully I run into you somewhere. I'm sure you'll be, yeah. you'll have the old uh, velvet uh, blazer on at some kind of hoopla yeah. party for, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. You know me, you know me too well. No, I'll be the guy in the <laughs> rundown jeans at the back with the gas station glasses being like, you know, me, buddy. don't pretend like you don't know me. <laughs> that's what I'll be doing. That's what I'll be doing. Taking the hardest slapper contest at yeah. the, uh, yeah, yeah. One of the Rogers yeah, with booths. the sunnies on and being like, do better. If you're like, yeah, literally the eight year old kid just did. So thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bud. Thanks. Thanks for your time. All right, bud. See you later. All right. We'll see you, buddy. See you, buddy. Uh, there goes Colby Armstrong. All right, quick break, and then let's close out the show with Ben Nicholson Smith on, uh, yeah, how the Jays ended up on Justin Turner. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, Jays, breaking news day. So called in the heavy. My guy, Ben Nicholson Smith, the Letters Podcast, MLB editor, and insider for Sportsnet. Thanks for doing this, buddy. You got it. Good to be uh, good to be on with you. I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, well, it's been quiet. It's it's hard to. And I actually had a friend of mine reach out and go, "You got to stop hammering the Blue Jays before the off season's over." And I went, "Fine, fair enough. I'll wait." So I waited. And let me start with this: Do you think that the off season is now over? <laughs> I don't think it's ever like over, over, but I think this is the last big move and mm-hmm. maybe I'll be wrong, but I think this is probably the last big move. Yeah. Okay. That that was my sense of things too, just because it's difficult to imagine how they would add another puzzle piece and end up getting them in the mix, considering that the other major pieces would be DHs, right? 
Yeah, uh, like, exactly. I mean, you could go out there and in theory, you could use an extra outfielder um, to have in this mix, like a right-handed hitting outfielder. Is there a move where you, like, trade someone off the roster and, you know, you have someone where, hey, if, if it's late in the game, you have a lefty facing Kiermaier and Varsho, you want to have a Michael A. Taylor. Sure, like that mm-hmm. could help this team, but Michael A. Taylor's probably making $10.5 and he probably wants to start every day. So yeah. I'm just not sure that that's the way things end up going. Yeah, no, once once they made the Kiermaier signing, it felt like the direction of the offseason had been decided upon because it, it just if you weren't moving Dalton Varsho to center field, and having that be, yeah, a basically everyday situation, I thought, all right, cool. Then you're trying to add somebody that's going to be either the depth outfielder that plays the DH or, yeah, something that looks a little bit like this where it's going to be Isaiah Conner-Falefa as your Chapman replacement and Justin Turner as your Brandon Belt replacement. Um, okay, so what what do you, first of all, why him? Because out of the, I think that of the three guys that were remaining that were really of interest to the fan base, Soler, J.D. Martinez, and Justin Turner, most people... I think would fairly assess Turner as the lowest upside of the three when it comes to at least the bat. I agree. I think that's totally fair. You're not going to see Justin Turner come in here and hit 35 homers. It's just not going to happen. Whereas with JD Martinez, that could happen with Jorge Soler. I mean, he could have 45, who knows? It could be all over the map with him. Um, Yeah. With Justin Turner though, um, he's probably the most likely of those three to hit 280. He's probably, you know, a good bet to have an 800 OPS. Now, that's not a guarantee by any stretch. You start to look at it, and it's like, you know, Justin Turner does celebrate his 40th birthday later this year, and, you know, he's been able to be a really effective player consistently into his late 30s. So can he do it at age 39? I think he probably can because he did it at age 38, and he did it at age 37, and he's always been a good hitter. But at some point, there is an end and it's a one-year deal. So the risk is mitigated, but you look around baseball and this is a player who might be the oldest position player in major league baseball this coming season. Um, depending on where Joey Votto lands, depending on whether Yuli Gurriel ends up playing, um, he has a very good chance to be the oldest position player in baseball. So this is not a deal without risk, but it, mm-hmm. he's a really good hitter at the same time. He's a hollow, very good player. He is a, excellent, consistent offensive upgrade for this team, who's obviously much better than having Spencer Horwitz as your everyday DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Bo Bichette had an impact on the signing? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, so he was just I, speculating when he, when he goes on Blair and Barker and he says that it's like, he's just doing the same thing we're all doing, which is like, Hey, there's three names and he'd pick two of them. Yeah, exactly. I think, and you know, maybe we'll learn that I'm wrong on this, but I, I think players follow this stuff pretty closely. Um, you know, of course, it's their it's their professional lives, right? If um, if Fan Five Ninety was about to make a big free agent signing, you'd probably be following it pretty closely too. And um, yeah, I think for for Bo Bichette, of course, he's following it, but I don't think that he ends up um, having an impact on it. I don't think I would be following it very closely because my <laughs> automatic assumption would be that this person is coming in in place of me. So <laughs> I would be going, I would be really actively against it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going, yes, I hope, I hope this person comes in and absolutely takes my spot. Um, okay. Yeah, so how, how much of this though? When they, when they were going after Corey Seager. Yes, exactly. So I think that, that that's the only way that I could relate to it. Um, how much of this though, do you think is the bat versus how much of this is actually the intangibles? I think it's 95% the bat. Um, I think the intangibles are there 
he's obviously an established big leaguer. He has yeah. won a World Series. He has won an NLCS MVP. He's been great in the postseason. This is that helps. That is like yeah, five percent. Um, but it's mostly because he can hit major league pitching in May when you're facing the Royals or in you know July when you're facing the Marlins. It's just such a volume game, and you need someone to take those. 500, 600 plate appearances and be better than what you had on your roster before, which again was like Ernie Clement, Spencer Horowitz. And there are going to be injuries too. And maybe Turner will be one of them. We'll see. Maybe it's Springer. Maybe it's someone totally unexpected. You don't know, but you do know that something will happen with respect to health on this team. And so that's where you just needed to deepen the overall core here. You needed to deepen the lineup to the point where if someone does go down, then you're not relying on that triple A core. As amazing as that story was late last year, you want to have some established big leaguers. And that's what Justin Turner is. So my thing is, uh, I, I like everything that you're saying and I don't, I don't mind the Justin Turner signing. Like I, I think it's kind of fine. And my expectation was between him and the other guys. I do think that Solaire would have been the most attractive to me, but we'll see what he ends up signing for Martinez. We'll see what he ends up signing for Turner. Just the fact that, uh, he plays games. I think that's very attractive to me because last year you saw with Brandon Belt, who you got a lot out of. You got 400 plate appearances from Brandon Belt, and I think a lot of people would have taken that going into the season given all the parameters with the injuries. But yeah, you looked at the body of work before that, and it was like 51 games, 97 games, 78 games. But yeah, his his OPS plus was higher than Justin Turner's last year when he played games. Um, he hit from the side of the plate that I think that they would have preferred their, their bat addition to be. And so it's like, if he's replacing Horowitz, that's one thing, but it feels like he's replacing someone who had an 858 OPS and you're replacing him with a 40 year old who has an 800 OPS. And so like, that's fine. I just, I think I would have wanted almost the intangibles to, I, I don't think I want it to be higher, but I would have almost expected you to be thinking that it was a little bit higher given that it does seem you're going to get more games out of Turner, but maybe less output than what you got from Brandon belt. And that if you were looking for something materially different as a group when it came to the offense, I would have thought that you would swing a little bit higher on a J.D. Martinez or on a Solaire. And so the follow-up to that is, do you think that those guys were primary targets or do you think that there is something that kept the Jays out of the running for those two? Well, I do think that they were in the running for J.D. Martinez. My understanding is they mm-hmm. did have real interest in him. I was never able to pinpoint you know exactly how serious they were on Jorge Soler. I, Jorge Soler, candidly, just never felt like a Blue Jays-type player. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of risk there, right? There's a lot of volatility. And if you're talking about a multi-year deal for a player yeah. who doesn't play defense, and I just, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of boomer bust. And not to say that the Jays can't welcome risk into their lineup um, because they, they have some good players as is, um, but... I just I wasn't expecting Solaire to be the guy, but you know, on the point of on the point of you know how much are these intangibles playing into the to the move? I think that you almost have to like fast forward five or six months from now, and when the Blue Jays are playing their most important games of the season, I guess this is six or seven months from now, September, October, down the stretch, it doesn't matter what Justin Turner did in 2017 unless he's also good in 2024. Like sure. if he's if he's sitting there with a 7.30 OPS. He's just not, whatever experiences he's had, it's just not going to land in that room in the same way unless he is currently contributing. So that's where I think for that postseason experience to matter to the extent that it can and for his impact to be fully felt, he still has to be contributing in the present day. And this deal to me says the Blue Jays believe he can contribute right now.
Yeah. Uh, Ennis had an interesting theory that I, I want to kick by you, which is if you look at the offensive numbers for players last year at the Rogers Center, they were clearly poor. And you can say how much of that is the players, but there was real discussion about the park factors with this place. And if you were a Jock Peterson, right, you're signing a one-year prove-it deal, or maybe that's what J.D. Martinez is only looking at right now because how old is he? He's 36, 35? Yeah. yeah, he's somewhere in that age range. You're probably only looking at the one-year deal. Do you, do you think that, or have you heard anybody discussing that, agents, players, whatever, whoever's in your circle about, yeah, Toronto maybe not being as attractive of a place for what they once were, which was like the Marcus Semien type, right? A guy who looks like he's trying to do the prove-it deal, who gets the big money, and then just a one-year contract and then hopes to sign a bigger extension. Like, we know Justin Turner's not that, right? This is likely the last contract he's ever going to get. If not, it's another one-year contract. But, yeah, do you think that that's something that has, yeah, been a concern for players and agents around baseball about the Rogers Center Park factors? You know, it's not something that I've heard. Uh, it's possible that some players have that concern. I think, like, I, I come back to a conversation I had with uh, with one of the bigger agents in the game early in the off season. I was asking him about one of the one of his clients and where where things might go, and he just simplified it. He said, "In the end, it's just money." He said, "Money talks," and I think that's I think that's true here. If the Blue Jays had offered J.D. Martinez twenty million over one year, he'd be a Blue Jay today. If they had offered Jorge Soler forty five over three he would be a blue jay like it's it's that simple and of course there are other factors in their families and their you know players want to win and all this stuff but the jays are a competitive team with playing time to offer this is why they were always going to be in a good position to sign someone as a dh and mm-hmm. yeah I, I really think that if they put 20 million in front of jd martinez like we'd be talking about him right now okay yeah, no, that's an interesting one. How much of the not being in a Solaire, because you mentioned you didn't think he was the Blue Jays kind of player. Yeah, obviously you you mentioned that there's risk to that guy, but he's also been nasty in the postseason. He's clearly the highest upside bat, I would say, out of the three. The only guy out of them that's likely to get any kind of term. It was. Do you think that's uh, the biggest reason for not signing the guy? Like the actual, that you would have had, had to extend term when it, uh, to a team that doesn't have a lot of guys where you know exactly what the future is going to be, or do you think it's just more stylistic fit and the risk assessment of just what he could actually be on the field? I do think it's a risk reward thing where if it was, if contracts like weren't, if, if dollars weren't a factor, okay, if it was just purely about the player um, and the contract was going to be the exact same, maybe you do take Solaire uh, if it's, if it's like one year and 13, if it's the exact same terms as it was for Justin Turner. Like at that point, you probably go with the younger player. But I think when you're talking about someone who has been so inconsistent, and this is where you know Turner and Solaire, there's such a clear contrast because in Solaire you have someone who has bounced you know between 40 plus home runs, 45 plus home runs, all the way to being a below average player. Where Justin Turner has a decade where his worst season has been a 114 OPS plus. So your chances of getting an above average offensive season from him are very high. And, and yeah. I think that's like a reasonable take to have, even, even as he's gotten slower and older. So that's, that's to me what it is, is if you're talking about making a three-year commitment or a two-year commitment to a player who is so volatile, I think they're rightfully going to be front office officials who look at that and say there's a lot of risk there. So when the, this signing reminds me a little bit of the, the Kiermaier tra- or acquisition just from the standpoint of, Okay, this guy comes in, he's a he's a known name, known commodity, um, not coming off of an injury, but when they first signed Kiermaier, it was, 
yeah, he's he's a great outfielder, but he's probably not going to play in the field as much as we anticipate. And then he played great, and the bat played well too. So maybe that changed some of the math on it. But what's your expectation of just Turner at third versus Turner at DH? Is is this another scenario where you could see the vet playing more in the field than we initially believe when the signing happens? Yeah, I think you kind of play it by ear here, and you don't push him too hard in spring you let him get his reps in and you play him occasionally to start the season at third base and you just kind of see how he does because the metrics weren't he didn't play a lot of third last year Mm -hmm. um, because the red sox have devers so you know he was playing more first um makes sense i think here that would flip because vladdy will play first and they have more of a need at third base so it's a position he's handled year after year he's going to know the fundamentals he's going to make good decisions but it's a question of range it's a question of arm strength the metrics on his arm strength were not good last year. So, you know, are you looking at someone who's probably a below average third baseman? That's okay. You know, it's a drop off from Chapman, obviously, but he doesn't have to play there a ton. I think you just let it play out. And if you get to July and it's like, he's kind of nursing, you know, a couple health things and you want to keep his bat in the lineup, you just DH him. But if he's feeling super healthy to your point about Kiermaier, then maybe there's a scenario where he does play whatever it is, 25, 35 games at third base and he can really help you out there yeah um for those wondering he he only played seven games last year at third for the red Sox. and again you mentioned the devers factor um he actually played 10 games at second um and then 41 games at first base so my guess is is that yeah they'll probably move him around the diamond a little bit given wherever they sort of need a day off or how they're going to keep his bat in the lineup. But ultimately he's going to play just like he was with the Red Sox, the the majority of his games at, at DH. I, I guess I'm just a little surprised by it because it felt as though the direction of the team was to not have pure DH types. And yet he feels a little closer to that, but either way they clearly needed a bat and yeah, Justin Turner, I think you, your assessment of high floor, low risk, uh, solid intangible, solid track record. The main thing being the age. Uh, I think that's kind of that's kind of a good one, and that's where we're going to land on this one. Uh, we've only got a minute left in the show, Benny. Um, yeah, thanks for making time today, pal. Uh, sorry it was rushed. Sorry it was under the gun, but I appreciate you coming on. You got it. Talk soon, JD. See you, pal. Uh, ben Nicholson Smith, MLB editor and co-host of At the Letters, which I'm sure we'll do a pod on this and assess things further. I'll, I'll probably have more thoughts on this in the Jays off season. Uh, as we go through the next couple of days. But yeah, initial thought is I'll give this signing uh, B minus. That's my that's my initial feel on this. Uh, all right, subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, do all those things, and we'll see you tomorrow with Chris Pronger.